Welcome to the Darwinian Demon Podcast. Where did you come from, baby? And ooh, won't you take me back? Got a way you want to do, baby. Tender rooted, you've got to be. introductory biology course kind of like a lecture out of an intro biology course but I'm gonna speed I'm gonna go through a bunch of stuff that um, in a class you probably go into a lot more depth on but I realize it probably be a fun topic for some people because a lot of us don't really know know these things and basically what what I'm gonna talk about is these is the eukaryotes, what's called the eukaryotes. These organisms that make up the plants, animals, and fungi. So they don't include the bacteria. Talk a little bit about bacteria towards the end, but they don't actually include the bacteria. But they com- in- include the stuff that we see with our naked eye. Um, and especially when it comes to animals, most people don't really know where, where animals, how animals, fungi, and plants are related. And they are related. They're pretty closely related. In the grand scheme of things, they're pretty closely related. I mean, everything's all relative, but they're pretty close to related. So, first of all, what is an, what, what is an animal? We don't know what an animal is. A lot of us don't know what an animal is. We don't know what a plant is. We don't know what a fungus is. I'll give you a brief, a brief description of what those things are, what these are, and how they're related. So first of all, what is an animal? Now I'm a, I'm a plant biologist, so I always have a kind of a different view of animals than most people. I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't look at them as, um, I don't think I look at them the same as, as most people. I look at them like they're a little bit weird. And I think that's because um, because I, I just find plants to be more interesting. But the thing about animals, when I look at it, when I break down animals, like what are animals versus plants and fungi? What is one of the defining characteristics of them? What's the thing that I see? And I'm not really going into some of the systematics, some of the, the biology of it, but just what do I, well, it is the biology, but, but what do I see about animals? The first thing about animals that's really striking to me is that animals are a tube, you know? Not all animals. I mean, that's, that's going to be the theme for this, for this show is not all, but for the most part, animals are, t- are tubes. What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, just think about it. The vast, vast majority of animals, I think only sponges don't have this characteristic, but the vast majority of them, well, cnidarians, what, like jellyfish aren't really like this either. But most animals, all the other animals, they have a mouth and an anus, and, it's con- and they're connected. And basically what goes into the mouth, the rest of it eventually comes out of the anus. So it's a tube. You know, you think of the, the human digestive tract, right? They show the mouth leading down to the throat, to the stomach, the esophagus. I'm sorry, I mean the stomach. See, I don't even, I mean, I don't even know animals. I'm talking about the stuff. The stomach, the um, small intestine, large intestine. 
it's all, but it's, it's, it's kind of like that, that senator from a few years ago. It's a series of tubes when he was talking about the internet. It's a series of tubes. It's, animals are a series of tubes. And the thing, the reason is because animals eat. Animals are eating machines. They eat. That is one of the defining characteristics, one of the things about animals that's pretty universal within animals is that they eat. It is universal within animals, sorry. It's not pretty universal. It's completely universal. They, animals eat things. They eat other things. And um, they eat things whether they're uh, alive or dead. I mean, for the most part, they, they eat things. They don't eat decomposing tissue, but some do, right? Like vultures. Vultures eat dead tissue. Humans. Humans eat decomposing tissue, right? We go to this grocery store. I mean, that's a weird thing, right? We, we think of vultures as being these animals that eat this gross stuff because they eat rotting meat, right? They find something dead on the ground and they eat it. We find something dead at the grocery store, and it's just not, it's not rotten yet, but we eat it. I'm not trying to be a, I'm not trying to sell people on a vegan lifestyle. I'm not a vegan or full disclosure, not a vegan or a vegetarian, but you know, you got to call them like you see them. We, that is how we, that is actually what we do. We eat stuff because we're animals. So we eat stuff. And in bio biological terms, it's called being a heterotroph because we eat other things. But, you know, I mean, I think for most people, animals are the most interesting. Of these three, these three eukaryotes that I'm going to talk about, animals are, are probably the most interesting of those three. Now, related to animals are fungi. So animals and fungi are more closely related to each other than they both are to plants. Now, that's going to be surprising to some people. Some people might think that fungi and plants are more closely related because they, fungi basically come out of the ground or they seem to appear to come out of the ground. And so people might think that, and they don't move around. That's another thing people might think is a defining characteristic of animals is that they move around. But there's plenty of animals that, that don't move around at all. In their adult stages, they, they stay in one spot. Just like um, fungi and plants do. But anyway, plants, I mean, um, fungi and animals, they're much more closely related to each other than either of them are to plants. And so what's a fungus? Well, fungus are, they're heterotrophs too. They eat other things. They eat decomposing things. They eat dead stuff. That's one of their, their right, one of their defining characteristics. But fungi, they're not a tube. They're not a, they're not a tube like animals. They're not, their, their bodies aren't composed of an opening and a, an entry and an exit, basically, like animals are. But the, the way that they eat things is they have this, they have these micro, microscopic or nearly microscopic structures called hyphae. They have these little tendrils that go out. And they just take, they absorb decomposing nutrients. They absorb stuff. And so they decompose, they help to decompose um, dead material. 
So if you got athlete's foot, that's basically what the fungus is. The fungus, you got, you have this skin or these, you know, these dead skin cells and fungus, and or you got the fungus nail. You know, you're, it's getting a little bit gross right now, but you're, you have fungus growing on you, eating the dead stuff on your skin. Now, and, and that's one, one reason why keeping things dry, like keeping your skin dry or keeping things dry kills fungi because the hyphae, they can't live in dry environments. They dry out. They dry out, they die. And so the fungus itself will eventually die if it, if it stays dry enough. So another, another, you know, the classic example of fungus when we think about it is mushrooms. We see these mushrooms, and that's what we think of as a fungus, but that's only part of the fungus. That's only the part of the fungus that, that comes up that you can see, and that's the reproductive structure. So another interesting thing about fungi is fungi have sex, just like, just like animals do. And uh, the, basically the sexual organ of the fungus is that mushroom. So that's the reproductive organ in, in fungi. And it's not in any way, again, you know, they're, they're not in any way plants. They're not plants at all. They're more related to animals than they are to plants. And so they, and they have nothing to do with plants. So that's basically what, what fungi are. And that's, that's how animals and fungi are, are related, are, are, are situated. And so then you have plants. Now, the, one of the defining characteristics of plants is plants are what's called autotrophs. So they basically are these animal, the animals, these organisms that make their own food. And, that's, and so they do that by this process called photosynthesis. And photosynthesis is a process where carbon dioxide from the air is converted into sugar. And the energy to do that is provided by light. That's why plants need light. They need light to make, to, to basically build themselves up for energy and, and to, to get larger. And so they get the carbon dioxide from the air. So when you see a, a big tree, that tree is composed of carbon made that was, that eventually came from the air, ultimately came from, from the air. So one, that's, that's why one way to, 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 pos to limit global warming is to stop cutting down trees. It's basically stop cutting down trees. Planting trees, planting trees is fun, and it seems really, it seems like you're really doing something, but compared to not cutting down an adult tree, it's, it's got, it does a lot more. I mean, it just does a lot more as far as keeping the carbon out of the air. And, and keeping it away from being, keeping it out of being a greenhouse gas. But, you know, people like to plant trees. Eventually, maybe it'll help. But nothing, it doesn't help nearly as much as just not cutting down so many trees. Now, another thing about plants is plants are green for the most part. That, again, all these things are for the most part. There's always exceptions. That's the, that's the interesting thing about biology is all the exceptions. So for the most part, plants are, are green. You can see in the fall why, you know, see exceptions of that in the fall when the plants have all these different colors. But the reason plants are green is because they have this, this substance called chlorophyll. And, and 
chlorophyll allows plants to absorb all these different wavelengths of light except green. And so what's reflected back is green, and that's why plants appear to be green, because they're reflecting back this one portion of, of, of the, the, ultra, the electromagnetic spectrum. Now, just like, just, like plant, just like animals and fungi, plants have sex. So the eukaryotes, one of the, one of the defining characteristics of the eukaryotes is sex, and plants have sex as well. Now that's this is one you, you can when you if you ever teach intro biology you always end up tripping people up with this simple question you can teach you can teach an intro biology course a million times and you can say you can tell the class a million times that plants have sex and you can ask on an exam do plants have sex and still you you would always get like thirty or forty percent of the class saying nope they don't have sex and I think it's it's hard for people to see, to understand that plants have sex i guess because they're just not moving around i guess because they're not humping right <laughs> that's the only thing i can think of i don't understand why it's so difficult but because they have flowers that's what flowers are flowers are the plant's sexual organs so when you give someone flowers you're giving them the plant's sexual organs you're saying look especially you think about it in a romantic sense it's a not very subtle hint when a man gives a woman flowers, right? Or a man gives a man flowers, or a woman gives a woman flowers. I'm not trying to be. But the flowers themselves are sexual organs. And, and those flowers eventually become fruits. And within those fruits, a lot of times, depending on the flower, there are seeds. And again, seeds are part. Seeds are, 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 are reproductive reproductive structures as well they basically contain baby plants so they contain they contain an embryo so don't ever let the uh don't let the GOP know about this don't let you know you cook a big pot of beans you're basically cooking a big pot of embryos now one of the other interesting things about plants is plants colonize the land so all all life began in the oceans and didn't live on land for, you know, millions of years. There was no life on land. And then the land was colonized by plants. And I mean, to my mind, you know, this is a, a plant biologist way of thinking about it probably, but they, they probably, I mean, there's a lot of advantages probably to being on land. First of all, they get, they got better, better, um, more access to stronger light. Right, light's got to be stronger on land. I mean, it is stronger on land than it is in the ocean. But then also, they probably escaped being eaten by animals for a while. Right, and then soon after they colonize the land, here come the animals and fungi. Right, right behind them. Right, the fungus probably fungi probably came up and started eating decomposing plant material, and the animals came up and and we were eating eating the plants. Now, what I'm doing here a lot of times with, with, with this is there are some differences between the animals, plants, and fungi, but there are a lot of similarities. And they're part of this, this group of organisms called the eukaryotes. I said that name before, eukaryotes, which means true nucleus. And basically what that means is animals, plants, and fungi, they're the only organisms that have their DNA 
housed in this special compartment called the nucleus. And then their DNA is also made up, is, is also set up, organized in chromosomes. So no other organisms do that except for the eukaryotes. Bacteria don't do that. Bacteria don't have their DNA in a specialized structure, and then their DNA is one big circle. So you have this circular DNA. They don't have these linear chromosomes that eukaryotes have. So they have a lot of stuff in common. And they have all these other, you know, they have other things in common too. They have these other, they have these other organelles, these other little, these little organs that the bacteria don't have. And one of those I'm going to talk about is mitochondria. So all the eukaryotes have mitochondria. And mitochondria are these little small organs. They're, they're, they are like organisms in many ways. They're about the size of bacteria. They have their own DNA. And it's a circular DNA. So they look like bacteria in many ways. They are, and it's pretty clear that they, that they are derived from bacteria. The same is true for chloroplasts in plants. So plants have mitochondria and they have chloroplasts. And chloroplasts appear to be, appear very, appear very similar to, to bacteria as well. So, so the eukaryotes have these things in them that look like bacteria. And what are those things doing? Well, the mitochondria, mitochondria do respiration. So you're breathing. The energy you really, the bulk, the vast majority of the energy you get from breathing come from these mitochondria. And that, and so these mitochondria are vital to, to eukaryotes. That's why eukaryotes are so big. Because they are packed with mitochondria. And in case of plants, they're packed with mitochondria and chloroplasts, both of which make a tremendous amount of energy and allow these organisms to, to be so large. So... You can imagine billions of years ago at the origin of eukaryotes, there was this organism that was a little bit larger than a bacterium that took in these bacteria that were making all this energy and established this relationship with these bacteria to make all this energy and, and so to use all this energy. Now, when you learn this in a biology textbook, it's, it's taught to you as, as there's this mutualistic sim, symbiosis between the 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 proto-eukaryote, so the, the sort of ancient eukaryote, and this bacterium, the bacteria that will eventually become mitochondria and chloroplasts. And so basically the eukaryote, got, the eukaryote ancestor got the energy and the um, bacteria got, which is always which is hilarious to me, quote-unquote protection from predators and whatever. But let's look at what the mitochondria are now. When you think about this, think about this in terms of protection. Let's look at what the mitochondria are now. The mitochondria now, they don't control their own reproduction. So mitochondria in your cells, they don't, even though they have their own DNA, they're not reproducing on their own. The eukaryote, you know, we, us, we control their reproduction. They can't do anything. They don't do anything on their own. We've basically taken control of their lives. 
And so it's when I first learned this as a undergraduate in biology, I just could not understand why this was sold as some type of mutualistic relationship when it was clearly kidnapping. It's clear that the eukaryotes kidnap these mitochondria and have them working for them, doing all this work, making all this energy. And I guess it must be this, that maybe because these textbooks are written by, you know, I mean, they're written by typical biologists who, you know, they come from upper middle class background. So the idea that they, they just don't see them, they just can't see themselves in this way. They can't see eukaryotes in this way as, you know, these organisms that, fundamentally exploited other organisms. And so they have to see it as this mutualistic relationship. I mean, it feels, it, it feels good to think that we're involved in a mutualistic relationship, that we're fundamentally mutualists instead of being, you know, basically fundamentally parasites, right? So they say, well, the bacteria, the, the, the mitochondria get protection. But protection from what? Right, like we already—they already got kidnapped. It's like it's like saying, you know, a kidnapper. They, it's like a mutualistic relationship where you have a kidnapper. They kidnap someone and say, "Well, look, I know it looks bad right now, but I did protect that person, even though I was kidnapped. I made sure that no one else could kidnap this person or hurt, harm them in any way except for me." Anyway, that's yeah. So that whole thing has always been silly to me, but it's. You open up open a biology textbook, it's still it's they will not call they will not call a spade a spade on the on on the origin of eukaryotes. It's and it's a fundamental serious thing. It's a it's a big deal in, in biology, how eukaryotes evolve. But the interpretation of what of what of what that relationship really is is um it's it's really funny to me how silly it is. How how it's it's just basically sold as this kumbaya, this this relationship that it is not. But, so all the eukaryotes have mitochondria. The plants have chloroplasts as well as mitochondria, but they all have mitochondria because they all respire. They all go through respiration. And while there are some differences, again, there's really a lot of similarities between the, the three eukaryotes. And that's one of the things I want, if I could have people understand anything about plants, animals, and fungi, one of the, the main thing is that they're very, very similar. It's easy to see the differences. The differences really stand out, but they're not as important as the similarities. The similarities are just much more important. And it, you know, it kind of reminds me of, of everything we're, you know, we're going through in society right now where you know, we got these news stations and there's basically no difference between news and opinion now. And so people have a vested interest now in pointing out all the differences between everyone. Right? And like making it seem like everyone like like there like there's these big differences when really there's the similarities far outweigh the differences, you know. I think case in point is this the recent shooting where now, you know, everybody's pointing fingers at, at who's to blame for the shooting. And, you know, people who are, people on the left are saying, you know, we need to ban all these guns. We need to get rid of all the guns. People on the right are saying, we need more guns. You know, we need to, teachers need to have guns. Everybody needs to have guns. If everybody had guns, we, you know, we saw the problem. And it seems like 
there seems like huge, huge difference, huge difference. But if you really listen to people, just about everybody, just about everybody says what really shouldn't have happened is we need some kind of way to stop people like that kid from getting guns like he had. That's just about everyone says that. I mean, of course, there are exceptions, but just about everyone says that. And so, again, it's like we focusing focusing on the differences when the similarities are much larger and much more important. And so I'll leave you with that thought in, when it, in terms of eukaryote, evolution of eukaryotes and society in, in general. And um, until Animals the next episode. Don't help. Animals think they're pretty smart. Shit on the ground. See in the dark. Wander around like a crazy dog.